if you miss it, you're going to regret it. You can imagine how excited I was to see the Thunderbirds, who I've waited to see my whole life, fly over our city on my birthday. How many of you were excited to see the Thunderbirds? Come on, if you like the Air Force, if you like Top Gun, you love the Thunderbirds, right? And so I, I challenged our whole staff. We were working that day and I said, get outside, get your cameras, because whoever gets the best video, I'm going to give a $5 gift card to Starbucks. And so... Uh, I secretly wanted to win the competition I created. So I got on top of the bluff on the other side of our parking lot, got there early, got my camera ready. I had just a vision of the money shot of the Thunderbirds flying over our church. And I could hear them coming right in the, over my right shoulder. And people started pointing in my direction. I thought they were pointing to me because I was going to win. I I was going to have the best shot. They were pointing because the Thunderbirds were over my shoulder and I could hear them kind of going away. So I turned around to see the Thunderbirds and all I could see is our water tower and trees obstructing my views. I could hear the Thunderbirds, but I never saw them. I missed them. And then to make matters worse, I got online to see your pictures and videos, including my wife, Stephanie, 30 minutes later. She even told me she wasn't planning to see the Thunderbirds. She was getting a haircut for her son and gets to see the Thunderbirds all day long. She could talk about the Thunderbirds. How that she just felt the noise just thundering in her chest and just going on and on. I was so sick of it. If you miss it, you're going to regret it. Can you imagine what it had been like to be one of the followers of Jesus after he rose from the dead and revealed himself? And then he said, go to uh, Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He was an eyewitness. There was 500 eyewitnesses to Jesus, but only 120 obeyed him and they gathered in an upper room and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit for the very first time. Can you imagine missing that moment? Can you imagine those conversations that happen? Like somebody probably said at home afterwards hearing about what happened, said, Larry, I told you we should have gone to church. We missed it. We could have been the first people baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you miss it, you'll regret it. And as a pastor, there's one thing I don't want you to miss, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see how it is a normal part of a Christian life. I'm excited that you're here. In fact, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 in the New Testament. Acts chapter 1. Man, I'm excited that you're here for the start of our brand new series through the book of Acts. Get ready. Get hungry for the Word of God and the presence of the Lord. It's full of adventure, miracles. It's about the acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. You're going to discover the essential role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because we need the Holy Spirit. How many of you desire more of the presence of the Lord, more of the help of the Holy Spirit in your life now more than ever before? Like we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Like we have seen the threat of job loss, the threat of disease. We've seen people respond in panic. People respond in fear. People respond in it with hoarding. And, and, you know, we're slowly emerging, but our safety isn't guaranteed, is it? Like I'm not an expert, but I, so I don't know what's going to happen next month. I don't know what's going to happen later this fall. I don't even think the experts know exactly what's going to happen. But I do want to speak into the life of our church from the perspective of being a people of faith. What a scared world needs more than ever before is a fearless church. Our scared world needs a fearless church. Why? Because our God is fearless, amen? We serve a fearless God. And so let's discover how we can be no longer afraid, how we can move from being a people who are maybe fearful to a people who are courageous. 
right? How to become more courageous. Because that's what happened with these disciples. They were afraid. They didn't know what was going to happen after Jesus left them in person. And they saw what happened to Jesus. They thought that was going to happen to themselves. There was great pressure. There was persecution. They were scattered. They were running for their lives. They were denying even knowing Jesus. They were going back to their old occupations. And now we'll discover the story in the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus. So the former treaties, another translation says, I have made, O Theophilus. Acts was written by Luke. He was a doctor. And he, the, the former account he was referring to was the gospel of Luke. He was meticulous when it came to details and eyewitnesses. He wanted to get it right. So he wrote the gospel of Luke. Now he's like, part two is, is Acts. And so he's writing this in about AD 63. And again, we're going to discover the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the disciples, but also the work of the Holy Spirit you can expect in your life. It says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with who? The Holy Spirit, not many days from now. He's, Jesus is talking about future tense. He's saying there is an experience, there is an encounter, there is a baptism that you have not had yet. But get ready, wait, because it is coming. This baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's going to happen. And so when, before we come to know the Lord, before our lives are saved, how many of you can agree before Jesus, your life was nothing more than just an empty vessel? There was so much that you lacked, right? And so when you get saved, when you confess Jesus with your mouth and put your trust in him and follow after him, what Jesus does is he fills you with the Holy Spirit. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. But then later, there's another experience and he's talking to his disciples. He was like, hey, apart from me, you can do nothing, but I, I know I have a mission for you to go and make disciples, to proclaim the good news. You can't do it by yourself. You've already proven yourself to be scared and afraid. So I'm gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. And that's what happened. He baptized them with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to submerge and to be overwhelmed and with the the presence of the Lord. Like how many of you just want to be overwhelmed with more of the presence of the love, more of the supernatural power, more of the supernatural joy, supernatural peace, supernatural fruit, supernatural gifts of the spirit. So that's what he wants to do through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, why does he want to do that? Why does he want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? You can discover that in verse eight. Look, this is the verse that you should memorize this week. It says, but you shall receive power after that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The primary reason for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to give you power. The word power comes from the Greek word deutimus, where we get dynamite from. It's a supernatural power to give you boldness, to witness. It's something that's a normal part of your life that you can expect and be hungry to receive from. And I know there's a lot of questions like, 
Well, why do the followers of Jesus need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit if they're already saved? Doesn't it all just kind of be packed? Isn't it all packaged together as one? Well, we see from scripture, it's a unique experience that happens afterwards. It happens over and over in the Bible. You see, when you're saved, again, you are saved by the blood of Jesus. He forgives your sin because of what he did on the cross, right? By faith through his grace alone, are we saved, not through our works. Now, salvation, it, we're saved from what? We're saved from eternal death to eternal life. Salvation is for eternity. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for here on earth. Because when we're saved, the enemy will still try to attack us, still try to get us to stumble. And we need the supernatural work of the Lord to mark us with his seal of ownership, to empower us with boldness to witness. And that's where we can seek the Holy Spirit. That's the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, to understand this, we gotta look. I mean, look at the testimony of, of the disciples. Peter, right? He was like the, the alpha, the leader of the, the 12 apostles. He spent three years with Jesus. Jesus personally mentored Peter for three years. And after Jesus died, right, what happened? He denied knowing Jesus, even to a little girl. And then he went back to being a fisherman. He scattered in fear. Peter was a Christian, but he was weak. He needed something more. Now, to understand this promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, we've got to understand it in context with the gospel. So let's look at John chapter 20. This is when Jesus rose from the dead. Now he's revealing himself to his disciples. In verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were being assembled for what? Fear of the Jews. They were afraid. Jesus came and stood in the midst. And said to them, what did he say first? Peace. He knew that they were afraid and they needed peace. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Notice what he does now. He says, when he has said this, he breathed on them. This was symbolic. It was foreshadowing what was going to happen. He said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Let's look over at Luke chapter 24, verse 36 says, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were what? Terrified, terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. So the first thing to become a person of courage and no longer be afraid, number one, what we see from scripture, we must receive the gift of peace, not respond in panic. Receive the gift of peace. And it's not just any, any kind of peace that you could find anywhere on earth. You know, it's not just from doing some meditation or reading a book or distracting your mind. There's a supernatural peace that comes from God, right? It, it, John chapter 14 says, do not, somebody say, do not. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. He went on to say in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. He said, I do not give you as the world gives. And because I do not give as the world gives, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Some of you have been living in fear, anxious. That which you thought was secure and stable have been shaken. You're only gonna be able to put your hope, your faith in Jesus. He's the only firm foundation. It is unshakable. His kingdom is unshakable. And he wants to give you the gift 
of peace to guard your hearts and minds. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you want to really receive all the gifts that God has for you? He wants to give you this supernatural peace. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be afraid. So receive his gifts. And some of you during this most darkest time, he wants to give this gift of peace. Uh, During this quarantine time, I I remember being in my home one day and I got this package in the mail and it was from one of my closest friends, Brian Dollar. I had no idea what it was. It's like, it's not my birthday. It's not Christmas. We're in the middle of quarantine. What could this be? And I open it up and it's a concert poster from my favorite Christian band of the 80s, Striper from their To Hell With The Devil concert tour. I actually went to this concert, but he gave me the concert poster autographed by everyone in the band, the Sweet Brothers, everybody's there. Dude, I was fired up, I was excited, so thankful that my friend thought of me during an unexpected time. He gave me a gift. Now this gift wouldn't mean much to you, maybe not much to you, but the Lord knows exactly what you need. When you're afraid, he wants to give you peace. He wants to give you other, pe- other gifts as well. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a promise. But sometimes we're like, ah, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. I don't fully understand him. I'm good with where I'm at. And I wonder how much we miss because simply we're not ready to receive. Let's, let, let's look at what Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now turn to Acts chapter two, all right? Because 120 were obedient. They were followers of Jesus. They waited 10 days, 10 days. This is 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus. 40 days he was on earth. He witnessed to them. He showed him self to be alive. He preached about the kingdom of God. He revealed mysteries of the kingdom. And now for 10 days, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're hungering. They're saying, God, we wait for this promise. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we want to receive it, however it happens. And notice what happens in verse one of Acts 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There was unity. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all, how many? All, not one person was left out from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to do what? Speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now notice what happened with these believers after they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were once afraid, now they're bold. So that's the second thing we're gonna discover in scripture. We're no longer bashful, but we're bold. We're bold. Peter became bold. He went from denying Jesus to standing up. People, I mean, this spilled out on the temple courts and people had gathered together. This was a a feast of Pentecost. People from all around were in Jerusalem and they saw what happened to these 120 people. And they were like, man, they are so full of joy and and they're they're drunk. They gotta be drunk. And Peter gets up and he's like, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he proclaims the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And then he tells, they were like so convicted in their heart. They're like, what do we do? And he says, repent and believe. And on that day, thousands of people were born again. Thousands were born into the kingdom of God because of the boldness of witness of Peter. Isn't that incredible? And so... 
Seek, become hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. Search scripture as you read and study through the book of Acts. You'll notice what happens in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time event in Acts chapter two, but look what happens in Acts chapter eight, 10 and 19. And we find in 19 that there were these 12 believers. They were disciples in Ephesus, kind of a, a very dark, but yet strategic place in the Eastern world. It says, when they heard this, this is Acts chapter 19, five and six. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So the tongues and the prophecy were signs that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're unsure that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you haven't been baptized. You'll know it when it happens. You will know it. And some would say, you know what? I, I'm just not sure. Like, I'm not sure if that's for me. Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, this promise is for you and your children and to all that are far off, even as many of the Lord our God shall call. How many of you know that the Lord is calling upon you? That the same gift of the Holy Spirit that were for the disciples is for you as well. Now, there's a lot of different teachings when it comes on the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of teachings. And my desire as your pastor is that you would understand good, sound doctrine and believe exactly how the, the scripture is to be interpreted. But there are some extremes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to get into either ditch. One ditch is called cessationism. It means to cease. People would acknowledge that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit happened in the book of Acts, but at the end of Acts chapter 28, it stopped. No more supernatural miracles, no more healings, no more deliverance, no more uh, spirit, supernatural gifts of the spirit. It just completely stopped. I believe that's wrong. I believe that the supernatural, the same God that Jesus is yesterday, today, and forever, he's still active and he's still pouring out his spirit upon the, on his flesh on the last days. And I believe we're still in those last days, amen? So that's a ditch you don't wanna be in. But there's another ditch over here. There's another ditch. And, and there's some faith traditions that would teach that unless you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, then you're not really saved. And that's wrong as well. There were some that would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and they would look down upon people who have not yet experienced that and going, you're not mature in the Lord. And that is wrong. If you are saved and you're a child of God, and as we are following after the Lord, we are all first class citizens in the kingdom of God. Amen. Don't let anybody look down upon you. Don't, don't look down upon anybody else if you have had that experience. Because I know personally, this is one of those treasured experiences of my life. I was in high school and I was a timid, introverted believer in the Lord. And when God baptized me in the Holy Spirit, he changed me. He gave me a boldness that I didn't have before. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have started a, a ministry in my public high school campus. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have become a youth pastor. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I would have never started this church. I give all the credit and the glory to the Holy Spirit for giving me power, giving me that ability to be able to do that. And so we need, we need to look at, if we're not going to be a, a, no longer afraid, but a people of courage, number one, receive the gift of peace. Don't panic. Number two, be bold, not bashful. And number three, let's be sacrificial not selfish. Let's be sacrificial, not selfish. Notice in verse 44 of Acts 2, it said, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Notice in scripture what they didn't do. 
They didn't hoard. They didn't isolate themselves. They didn't just rush to guard their own supplies, but instead they literally sold their property and gave to everybody else who was in need. So no one was left wanting anything. They shared everything. They were marked by generosity. And I believe this is a season that we're in, that there is wonderful opportunities for us to be generous. You have neighbors who are in need, not just in need materially, but also spiritually, emotionally, that you can be a friend, a companion, and give hope and encouragement. Love finds a need and does what? Meets it. And we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This is a, an adventure that we can have and when we can meet needs. And this is a time where it's tempting to kind of to shrink back or to look at our own needs. But and we are a people of faith, right? We don't need to be afraid. We need to trust the Lord. When this whole crisis started, I remember us discovering that there were so many families in our church who were losing their jobs and needed help. And so we, out of our benevolence ministry, we just said, we're just going to buy groceries for 200 people. And it was several thousand dollars that we had expensed in doing that, even when our income was kind of going down a little bit. But we were like, this is a, a faith moment for our church. And then we called out to Convoy of Hope. Some of you know the stories, the food bank. They came and gave us, man, this whole auditorium was filled with all kinds of food. It was amazing. But they gave us spaghetti noodles, but we didn't have sauce. <laughs> and so we wanted to supplement people with good groceries for a week. And so daily we were going to Costco and just expensing thousands and thousands of dollars, over $15,000. We knew that this was a time that, again, we were like, should we do this? It doesn't make economic sense. But we were like, God is leading us. The Holy Spirit is guiding us to be generous, to be sacrificial and not to hoard, not to be selfish, and to trust him. And you know what happened? The Lord provided supernaturally. He continues to provide for us. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is providing in such a supernatural way. We've never been in want. In fact, some of our missionaries that are in great need, we've been able to go above and beyond and send them stimulus checks out of our church family to bless them. It's because of your faithfulness, your generosity. Let's continue to do that over and over. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. It says, every day they continued to meet together. Where? In the temple courts. This was public worship. But they also met in homes. They broke bread in their homes. They had small groups, large group gatherings and small group gatherings in their homes. And they said they met together. And then they, they met privately together. And notice what they did. It says that they broke bread together in homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. Even during a difficult time of intense persecution, there was greater joy praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They didn't just have a once a week faith. And my desire is that you would not have a once a week faith either, that you would have a daily faith. And that happens when you meet together with the Lord in your secret place and you abide with him daily. You open up the word of God and you hunger for the word of God. Let's do that with the book of Acts this summer. Let's cry out to the Lord in worship and thanksgiving and, and have conversations with the Lord in prayer. But let's be faithful and meeting together, even if it's virtually with our small groups or coming together once a week together. Let's not forsake doing this. This is important. And those of you who are joining us online and maybe you're vulnerable, you don't feel well, you're a senior, or you're just not ready yet. We just want you to know we love you. You're as important part of our church family as anybody else. Don't feel guilty that you can't be here now. I promise you, if you miss a week of church, you're not going to go to hell over it, okay? 
So, but what I'm telling you is, even though you're not maybe able to be here, don't stop worshiping. Don't stop fellowshipping. Don't stop discipleship. Don't stop evangelism. Let's receive the Holy Spirit, a grace gift on our church and in our lives. And let's see the kingdom of God advance. Let's continue to grow spiritually. Let's continue to see other people's lives changed by the power of God. Amen. You notice what happened. It says as a result of this, the Lord added to daily those who were being saved. Who added? The Lord. God is the one who saved. We become obedient. We yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. And you watch what God does. All he's looking is for a people of faith, people to trust him, to make bold moves in faith, wise, but also bold in faith. And he says, I want you just watch what happens. I believe now more than ever, we are in a season. We've got a window where we're going to see more people born again, more people born in the kingdom of God than we've ever seen before. But we've got to be a people that are yielded. We've got to be a people who are so in love with the Lord and so yielded to the Holy Spirit. We're saying, Lord, we're not satisfied with yesterday. We're not satisfied satisfied with the days prior to the coronavirus. We want to know you more. We want to be used by you more. We want to be a part of your outpouring of your spirit. Amen.